in heaven, we thank you, we bless you, and we praise you. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to hear, for the ability to know, for the ability to see. Thank you, Lord, reveal to us what you want the church to know today. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know you in a great way, and we love you, and we praise you for it. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. So today we're going to talk about the fact that you must know God to live. Man, you must know God to live. I was thinking about some of the things that uh, we call success. Let me put it to you that way. So when uh, uh, we talk about success, we have to make sure that we are speaking God's language, that we are speaking of success in the same way that he speaks of it. Uh, There are so many ways to define success. And so many ways to succeed, quote unquote, succeed, because everybody kind of has their own definition of that. It's one of those vague terms that we know it means something good, but specifics of it we really don't understand. And that's why it's necessary to have God's definition of these things, and we only get his definition by having relationship with him. And I mean having a relationship that he ordains, not one that where we call the shots. You got me? And so humanity, we have to be careful that we humble ourselves to God and let him define these things that he has promised us. If he's promised us certain things, we have to understand what he means when he says these things. And we have to agree in our heart that we want them. Many times God has good things planned, but we can't see the goodness in them. And so we'll hang on to some of our desires and plans and likes and so forth in the hopes that it's lining up with what God has in mind. See, many times when we're afraid to go to God to get clarification, get understanding, have relationship, he said, come, let us reason together. You tell me what's on your mind, I'll tell you what's on my mind. And so the first step of reasoning together with God is to get sin out of your soul and out of your life. So that's where he begins dealing with us in repentance. Then after that's set, then we can come into agreement. Well, we can't come into agreement with a holy God, believing unholy things, holding on to unholiness, any of that. So if we're going to have understanding and clarity and what quote-unquote success with God, we have to understand what God means by that and what he He wants for us. But I, I know one thing is that God came to give us life and that more abundantly. Amen. He says everything we set our hands to will prosper and not fail. And so when we understand the prosperity of God and understand the life force of God, then we can probably better understand how to live our lives and how to live a a pleasant life and a life that's full of, that doesn't disappoint us. Let me put it to you that way. Because there are many of us who are believing God for things and waiting for things, but what we're waiting for and what God's waiting for may be two totally different things if we don't come together with him and reason with him and get his understanding of what he has for us. 
when he says that you're a new creature in Christ, old things are passed away. That means old friends, old job, old idea what you're supposed to do with your life. All that's dead. And see, we'll fight against God many years trying to hold on to something that he considers dead. And that he is never going to breathe life back into again. Until we reckon it dead, it won't come back around to be a blessing for us. We'll find ourselves struggling. Struggling, and many times we're fighting against God. We're not fighting people. (laughs) We're fighting against God. It's interesting. In Matthew chapter 7, I'll read you this scripture, but we're really going to go back to Genesis and talk about Jacob uh, and, and his life to get you understand this. In Matthew 7, in verse 21, uh, it says, <clears throat> Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Iniquity comes from the self-life, comes from selfish motives, selfish desires. Can we I'll do all these spiritual things in God's name and be selfish? You better believe it. <laughs> Jesus just said it. Believe what you just read. Huh? <clears throat> sure you can. You see uh, ministers that go into foreign countries and win thousands of souls to Christ, but they go sleep with somebody who's not their wife when the meeting's over. Go figure. See, that shows you that the anointing is not a reward for good behavior. It couldn't be. See, the anointing is something that's conferred upon your life as a necessary equipment for you to do the work that God called you to do. See, just like if you're a policeman, they give you a gun when you go out to work. If you cuss your wife out before you clocked in, they don't take your gun away from you. Because you got to go out and work and defend people and defend yourself. So it's part of your necessary equipment. You got it? See, that'll clear up a lot of religion out of people's crazy heads. And it also will cause a lot of people who think they got it made because God uses them to straighten up. And not take that for granted. Nobody knows the mind of God. (laughs) We keep trying to guess and outthink him. And we never ever get there, do we? Huh? And then if you're one of them people who uh, lives on the edge of obedience, skinny jeans and a latte in the pulpit. <laughs> now, to me, that's the edge of obedience. I, the Bible says you're to dress modestly. The minute you get in that mirror and start, you lost modesty. You're in the vanity, whether you know it or not. There's <laughs> a little vanity there. Amen. So let us let us not be <laughs> be confounded about these things. 
people ride the edge one day they're gonna step over the line you see what i'm saying and when they least think they're doing it they will step over the line you need to get back into the security of humility and modesty if you're going to be a successful servant of god just have to so jesus is telling these people even though they did these things in his name did he let them do them he sure did did he supply the power to do them he sure did but he did that and he never knew them so you get your reward from knowing god not from being used by god you do there are certain certain things you have to develop in and mature in in order for god to consider you promotable into the greater things amen so the greater things come from character development much more than they come from gifts abilities anointing but the gifts are really what turn people on you know everybody wants to be called gifted everybody wants to have the attention of having the word or the whatever 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 and so you you kind of have to fight that when you when god uses you and you start to feel it in your flesh you got to know when your flesh is excited and when your spirit is rejoicing you got to know the difference and see that comes through maturity comes through questioning god is that me or is that you is it right to feel like this what's not a faith is sin if it don't feel right about it repent about it see that god you know take this away from me that i don't feel like this about things that i do in your name you know it's not me doing it you're the power behind it amen you know sometimes i used to hear ministers you know they would cut people off when people would thank them for praying for them well don't cut them off cut yourself off from feeling it see the person you need to talk to is you you don't rebuke people for showing gratitude you understand what i'm saying that's just that's just such a common courtesy to people to let them know that what they did you appreciate because see there's going to come a time when the devil's going to follow you and haunt you and tell you you aren't doing anything for people if you people appreciated you they do this they do that why don't you quit got me so you're going to need to know those confirmations that's what's happening god is confirming to, to have you have something in your mind for when the devil comes to tell you you're nothing and nobody and you messed up and did you see them people's faces they didn't understand a thing that was going and see god didn't heal as many people tonight as he usually does what's wrong with you you understand me so the person you rebuke is your flesh man you make him not feel those things but don't rebuke people you know come on you can do better than that know the difference so you have to know god in order to live now you can prosper without having god's life dominating your life and we've all done it we've all cut corners <laughs> oh i didn't even tithe and look what i got you understand what i'm saying it, it, the human mind will go there human mind's always looking for a loophole a way out a something that's good right there okay a something to to help us not to feel so 
bankrupt when we do something for somebody other than ourselves. So we're going to cut corners. Now, it just depends on how determined you are to have everything for yourself, how many corners you cut. So we're going to talk about our boy Jacob, who cut, he did more than cut corners. He made a whole new block. You got me? Huh? He just did. And so when we, we find ourselves searching for opportunities to prosper and to have our way outside of the will of God, outside of submitting it to God, know this, that at some point that's going to run out. And you're going to find that you, you are, are forfeiting almost your very life and that the whole missing ingredient all along has been God in the hand of God. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 28. We'll start there and get as far as we can get. I think we should probably should get the essence of the whole <clears throat> thing. Actually, in verse 27, you all know the story. Jacob and Esau were uh, twins. And uh, but in in twins, one is born first, and one comes shortly thereafter. So, uh, uh, in, in people who have studied twins, feel that there is a, a a way of communication that they had that goes beyond just normal human communication. They tend to feel things, think things, all that kind of stuff. And they were fighting each other in the womb to uh, see who could get out the fastest. Why? Because the one who came first had what they called the birthright. So he was entitled to not just a big portion of the property, but he was entitled to all of it to distribute as he saw fit. So there was much more involved in the birthright than just being the firstborn. There was favor on the firstborn. The Bible says every every soul that opens the matrix of the womb belongs to God. All your firstborn belong to the Lord. That's why the devil is having such a heyday with abortion, because very often that's the firstborn that is aborted. If somebody is, is going to get an abortion, it's always often their first pregnancy. And so what he feels he's doing is stealing what belongs to God or killing God. Every time the devil kills a person, that's his attempt to kill God because we're made in God's image. And so he hates God so much, he continues to try and kill him through killing the image of God. Why? Because we have authority over him. He, We are his boss when we come in into a knowledge of God. And so he's killing off his competition to rule this earth. And so Jacob and Esau were fighting as they came out. Um, uh, uh, um, Esau was the firstborn when he was about being born uh, I think they were coming out breach or something one of their foot came out first so they tied a red string around it because they were both fighting to get out could you imagine <laughs> having a labor like that <laughs> at the time of birth and they fight struggle each other so they were, it was in them they were adversaries from in the womb and so when when they they were finally born, they they put a, a red string around the one that was presented first. That was God's pick, and so it was known that Esau was the first, and Jacob came shortly thereafter. 
And so as they developed and as they grew, it appeared that Esau didn't really want what was rightfully his at that time. He despised the birthright. In Genesis 27, in verse 28, is that where we are? 27. Yeah, I've got to go back there a little bit. 27. Okay, this is after uh, Jacob Jacob had earlier, because he was hungry, sold his birthright, the right of all the property and the family inheritance, to Jacob for a, a meal. And so what that meant was that he devalued what was rightfully his, like many of us do. We, we know that God has put us in a family, say if you're in a family of ministers, you know that chances are very good that you'll be called to preach. He doesn't put preachers over into a, a house of hell's angels, you know, necessarily. I mean, you can get saved and everybody preach, but God is smarter than that. So he understands the importance of having a child trained up in the way they should go kind of thing. And so if, like my parents, neither of them preached, but I believe they were both called. Because the minute they knew scripture, it stuck with them. They spoke it over and over and over again. If my mother was, was usually a kind of a passive person, she was very sensitive. And if you, if you pushed her the wrong way, that finger stuck up in your face and you knew she meant business. You understand what I'm saying? That's always, you know, usually little kids do that. That's a sign of a prophet's gifting inside of people it's a sign there's others okay but but that kind of thing would would always comes up and so god wants us to understand that there is a safeguard for your inheritance you'll grow up in a household where the gift is there the ability is there somebody knows how to do it can instruct you in in the way that you should go all of that stuff is in place for you to make it easy for you to step into your inheritance. And so Esau was willing to sell his inheritance for a bowl of food. He was famished one day, came in. His brother Jacob saw that. Certain people who have success in mind all the time look for opportunities you know what, to capitalize and, and take advantage of opportunities. For instance, if you're a type of person, you make your living flipping houses, you'll search the real estate listings, or you'll drive in certain areas, see if you see a for sale sign out, and, and snatch up a bargain. You'll haunt the sheriff's sales where somebody's being foreclosed on and selling their house at rock bottom. There are certain people who have their feelers out all the time for an opportunity, and that's Jacob. He always had his feelers out for an opportunity to get better than what he was entitled to from birth. Now, if you think about it, that's all of us or should be. What situation were you born into? You look for better or you just complacent and want to stay there forever? 
See, there's something inside of each person if we will listen to it. It's a God factor. It's something God places on the inside of us that commands our vision in life, our direction in life. It commands success for us, whether we get out there and and fail at it or we never attempt it. There's something inside of each human being that wants life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And God put that. That's the God factor in each and every person. Now, some people ignore it, satisfied just being a victim or or with failure and mediocrity. But then there's some people that want the best. They want more because they know it's out there. Some of them look at it as a challenge. It's not that they think they're better than somebody. It's not about that. It's There's a God thing inside of people that continues to move us toward what's excellent. If we'll let it free and if we'll let it uh, live and we'll let it guide our lives, there is success out there that everybody can have. And don't tell me we don't want it. Nobody grows up wanting to be a failure, a drug addict, or, or uh, you know, on welfare all their life, or anything like that. We all want success. Our, uh, we, we might have a different vision about it and a different idea of what it is. But when you quit wanting to be successful, you cease living. You understand what I'm saying? You just There's just nothing there too much to motivate you every day. And so, anyway, <clears throat> after Jacob, Jacob took the birthright and and uh, Esau gave it to him and so when it came time though for for their father father was getting older and it was beginning to be time for for the father to pass that inheritance on to his heir what they call that was the blessing so when the father was ready to honor the birthright he spoke to the son and began to bless him and that was telling you the contents of the will he would tell you what belongs to you he would tell you what he's leaving to you he would tell you his will for you and so that passed on as well so if the if the father was in any way doubtful about the birthright you know, being carried through with the blessing. Say, for instance, if he had any doubts that Jacob was going to distribute it properly, then he had the right to withhold some of the blessing, pull some back, and put it in the hands of somebody else that would administer over the same thing we do now with with the will that we have. But legally speaking, because it was God's order that the firstborn got the birthright, they allowed that to rest on the firstborn. But in the end, the father had the sanction or the ability to speak that blessing on and confer it on whomever he wanted to. And so that's the missing piece for Jacob. He knows that the brother has sold him his birthright, but he still got to get the father to agree to hand everything over to him, and that's the blessing. And so the birthright is what entitles you to something. The blessing is what confers it upon you. See, we're all born again. And we're entitled to certain provisions that are given to us in God's word. 
But if you don't ever think you're blessed, you'll never walk in it. If you don't ever assume the blessing on your life, you'll always struggle and strive and try to do this and try to do that and have a hard time and be frustrated because you don't know you're blessed. It's more than just saying I'm blessed and highly favored when you get around the saints. See, when you're blessed, you know it. And if you ever have a doubt about it, God will will reinforce it to you. Amen? I remember uh, Jan used to say that, Barb, you just blessed. And I would listen to her and I said, what's she talking about? I said, you know, I, you know, that kind of thing. And And so I believe that was God's way of imparting that word over my life so that I would know that it was something that came from God and, and you could rest easy. Huh? You can cease your striving. You can cease your, you understand what I'm saying? Those are things that we do, uh, under God's direction to build one another up. It's not like she was trying to give me some big news that I didn't know before or something like that. But I'm telling you, every time God's word comes to you, it begins to strengthen and motivate and encourage the right thing on the inside of you. You understand what I'm saying? And so we would, we, we, we must know that we're blessed and that blessing has to be conferred upon us. So in Genesis chapter 27, verse 28, we know the story that, that Jacob has already uh, uh, stolen the birthright. Now he's about to steal a blessing. The father is old in years and his eyesight is going bad. And so <clears throat> Jacob and his mother decide that they're going to uh, deceive the father huh, into putting the blessing on him. And so it says in verse 15, Rebecca took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. So she's disguising Jacob to imitate his brother and feed the dad the same thing that the brother ate. See, this this thing about food and it leading you in a bad direction gluttony kind of thing you see it throughout the bible adam and eve what got them in trouble food now this is not to condemn anybody because listen i need i'm working on it you understand what well, i've been working on it for what 20 years now but i'm still working on it but uh you know what i'm saying these things lust of the flesh lust of the eyes pride of life those things are what separate us from god and drive us to make the wrong decision or a hasty decision. Mm-hmm. That's why when God God brings his people back to him, he includes fasting as a part of our discipline just to stay out of the flesh and make sure your flesh don't get out of control in your life. Huh? Only thing bad about fasting is when we're off the fast, what do we usually do? Girl, get me to McDonald's. We're going to have the burger, the bread, and the fries. See what I'm saying? And so this thing about food being a theme, getting people in trouble. Even when you get over to the New Covenant, the New Testament, they're they're separating holiness based on food. You understand? It gets religious after a while. 
And so here we have the same meal that becomes a stumbling block for everybody in this family except Jacob. And see, Jacob, who looks for an opportunity, knows this. People who look for opportunities look for people's weaknesses. And so they will set you up and prey on your weakness, huh? So that they can get in your life and steal your goods. So then it's really not so much wanting food that's wrong, it's the timing of it. Can you discipline yourself and say, you know what, bro, I'm really not hungry right now. But the dad was sitting there and wanting some of this deer deer meat. Huh? And so he was waiting for Esau to come and prepare it for him because both of them like this stuff. And so here he is. She and Rebecca fixes the meal and she starts disguising Jacob to resemble Esau because his dad's vision is bad. And so the dad puts him through the test. He's hairy just like his brother. He's, you know, all this kind of stuff. She's glued hair on him. I mean, come on now. What a bad disguise. That's like going to your own, uh, you see that commercial about uh, Party City costumes versus your own made-up costume. This is the made-up costume. They didn't go to Party City and get this. And so anyway, Isaac says to Jacob, Isaac's the dad, come near, verse 21, I pray thee that I may feel you, my son, whether you be my very son Esau or not. Why? He knows it's time for the blessing. Part of the blessing was a meal. When you cut covenant with somebody and you passed on and conferred a blessing, part of that was a meal. And so uh, uh, Isaac knows it's time. And verse 22, Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and felt him. And he said, your voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are like Esau. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy, but he had brothers Esau's hands. So he blessed him, just gave it to him. And he said, are you my very son Esau? And he said, yes, I am. And he said, bring it near to me and I will eat my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. He brought it near to him, and he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. He came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is here as the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, and here's the blessing, God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve you. And nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brethren. Let your mother's sons bow down before you. So he's going to be the head of everything. This is the typical firstborn blessing. And he says, Cursed be everyone that curses you. Blessed be everyone that blesses you. And it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing, Jacob, uh, blessing Jacob, and Jacob was gone. So then Esau shows up late, as usual. Doesn't care much for anything. Huh? God loves you if you're after something. You touch God's heart if you're motivated to accomplish something. The only thing God has to do with you is slow you down so he can get to be in 
front instead of you going out after everything all the time. There's nothing wrong with pursuit, but there has to be in order to please God and not be frustrated throughout your life and not to see an abrupt halt come to everything. You have to slow yourself down and put God in charge of everything or you'll continue to charge through life. And after a while, you'll get to a point where life doesn't satisfy you anymore where things don't accomplish anything and we call it repentance that leads to salvation but then there are many christians that live like that too they never understand and i'll tell you one of the things that that encourages that is some of our teaching on success and prosperity see god wants to pull people back so that they can be blessed all the way around not just things that's why he cautions jesus would always caution he knew when people were after his stuff he knew when they come when they would come to to his big meetings he said you just came here because you heard i fed people the last time you understand what i'm saying and so he warns us and cautions us all the time that that's not the way of his kingdom amen and so he wants people to appreciate life in the kingdom not just things amen not just things when you see the blessings in the old testament that's because that's how they related to god is in the natural because they didn't have what we have being born again and so when you see this being emphasized it's because that's how they lived and life was much harder than it is now they had to know provision was there or they would have a famine and starve and so god was constantly reassuring them about that but after you understand that you got to understand there's a greater blessing in god somewhere for people who will obey him and and this is what we want in this dispensation we want the greater blessing because anybody who knows god and knows life in the spirit is smart enough to know you can command anything if you're spiritually equipped and spiritually wise and so that natural will fall in line according to the the words of your voice in the words of your your spirit man and so here we have uh jacob and and esau and so in over in 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 verse 20 uh, chapter 28 we see esau uh jacob having to leave because esau wants to kill him man go back to 2741 and esau hated jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him and esau said in his heart when the days of mourning my father at hand then i will slay my brother jacob and these words of esau her elder son were told to rebecca as she sent and called jacob her younger son and told him you know what your brother wants to kill you he said i want you to leave and go to live with your uncle laban in the land of Haran, and so jacob sets out and flees to his uncle laban just for security and safety he's not looking to do anything but escape with his life he has the blessing but right now he can't really take advantage of it see there are some things that in our lives we will know that god has blessed us we will know what god has in store for us but because of stuff 
because of attitudes because of problems strongholds mental strongholds we can't go right in and receive the promise that god has for us so him going to live with laban represents a testing for him to see if he will stay with god and god can eventually get him back to his promised land so he can receive the blessing that the father has given to him see stealing a blessing might get you an understanding of something that belongs to you say for instance i'll give you a good example you know people in church always look at what other saints have my blessing is not your blessing See, we'll work and, and strive and get mad at God because he gave sister so-and-so this and she came and give a testimony and I claimed it for me. Huh? And then we think we believe in God for something which really belongs to that person. It's called covetousness and it's forbidden as far as the word of God is concerned. What God wants for you to do is come to him and talk to him about what belongs to you. And I'm going to tell you, we got tons of church people who never do that because we're more comfortable stealing. We're more Jacob than we know. We're more comfortable stealing somebody else's blessing based on their testimony of their relationship with God. And many people who are blessed couldn't tell you how they got it anyway. It's a shock to them sometimes when they, huh? When they receive something from God. Because most of them don't, most of us don't spend enough time with God enough to want to understand how these things happen. We just want them. When they come, we grab them and run off with them and we have no clue. Huh? Now how many of y'all have got a blessing? I jacked you up and took you in the corner and said, you better figure out how God got this to you. Huh? Raise your hand. Uh, absolutely because if you don't get understand you have no relationship why would you go through the trouble of repeating all your trial and error over and over and over again when you can get understanding and exactly how the works and god does want us to know those things so i my contention is you cannot live without relationship with god now, you might have things, but you won't live. You understand what I'm saying? And there came a time when Jacob understood how to get things, but he didn't know how to live. And he had to go to God to get that. So, Jacob stole the birthright. We have that because Esau despised it. That's in Genesis 25:34. So, you can write that reference down. Jacob lived without God for many years, but there came a time where his tricks and his conniving did not get anything for him, and he found something he loved more than things, and that was um, uh, uh, Laban's daughter. Amen. Let me see if I got that. Was Rachel? Amen. Miss Rach. And so <clears throat> Jacob then goes to Laban's house. And and before he gets to that journey, in, verse, in chapter 29, it starts talking about his dealings with Laban 
and his two daughters, Rachel and Leah, and all of the confusion that came into his life at that point. But prior to that, Jacob had an encounter with God. He had a dream from God. Now, when you have a blessing conferred upon your life, it has to be honored by God in order for that thing to come through for you. And so God helps him out and gives him a dream. God has to honor his father's wishes. And so he visits Jacob uh, in a dream. And he, let me see where that is. In uh, Genesis 28, we'll start there in verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took stones out of that place and put them under his head for pillows to lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, angels of God ascending and descending on it. And then the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon you rest to you, I will give it into your seed. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Now, this was a place between um, uh, the place of his birth and the and uh, Uncle Laban's property. So Jacob has a promise that the place where he is now, God has given that to him, but he's still got to go through the paces of receiving it. Just like everything else we want from God. There are things you can get a promise, you can feel good about it, and you can almost feel like you can touch it. That's faith. So you grab it and you receive it by faith and you hide it in your heart, but it may be many years before that happens, or they can happen quickly. But God will put a deposit on the inside of you. It's your down payment for that thing that is going to come to you in advance. Your challenge is to stay faithful to God to see that it comes in. I'm going to tell you there are many people who quit on the deal because they're so busy looking at what everybody else has and how God moved for them and how God's doing this and God's doing that. And then the devil say, but you can't have that. And see, some people are crazy enough to believe it, even though God's told them it's theirs. And he says, verse 14, this is the Abrahamic blessing. Your seed will be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, north, and south. And in you and your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Talking about Jesus Christ. And behold, I am with you, will keep you in all the places where you go. I will bring you again to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. It's the knowledge of God that's going to bring you through to what God has for you. It's not going to be your abilities, your gifts, your scripture quoting, what denomination you belong to, or whose mega church you're a member of. It's going to have to be your relationship with God, and knowing him. So this is Jacob's first encounter in knowing God. So this leaves a deposit on the inside of him. He's got a promise now made to him from God Almighty. So he knows now he's no longer a thief in the blessing of God. He's no longer somebody who is taking things from people in order to survive. 
but he's not ready to get exactly what God has for him. Why? God's got to do some things in him to strengthen him. God's got to take the thief out of all of us before he can bless us. He's got to take the covetousness out of our eyes before he can bless us. He's got to put us through some paces. And many people negate by thinking that all you got to have is faith, whatever they think that is. And they have no clue what it is. Faith is the life of God living in you. Faith is Jesus Christ living in you and you not wanting to fight him no more and live yourself. And you got to have stuff or you ain't happy or, you know. (laughs) I I quit. I got tired of telling people to repent. Because I saw they thought they had gotten away with something. And God was going to give it to them anyway. So God said, I'll deal with them. He said, but when they look up 10 years from now and they're still in the same place and haven't moved an inch, he said, they'll know your words were true. See, all you got to do is turn from your ways. Huh? Yeah, people sitting up in church fornicating. And because they didn't drop dead when they church stand, stood and walked in the church door, they think they gotten away with something. And you can tell them, listen, God, listen, the Bible is true. The word is true. See, you get tired of hammering people like that sometimes. Because they, they, the thief in them refuses to die. But that's what God's got to kill in all of us. We all got something in us that wants something for nothing. We think God blesses us just because we pretty. Or we think God blesses us just because we buy a cross and put it around our neck. We just, you know, we'll, we'll use any excuse to qualify us by having super duper faith and being ultra ultra blessed in God and then when it don't come through we're mad at God we're mad at everybody mad at they mostly people are mad at the saints they ain't mad at God because they ain't that stupid they jealous of people who serve God and know God because they think they'll never get there and they can be this close and think it'll never happen. So here Jacob is. He's about to have his first. He's having his first encounter with God. He said, the Lord's in this place and I never knew it. Why? Because he's been too busy trying to slick everybody out of everything. He paid no attention to God. Absolutely. His daddy was a covenant man. Made sacrifices to God continually. He probably gathered the whole family around when he worshipped and made sacrifices to God. And Jacob was so busy sizing everything up, see where he's going to get his next slick deal from. He didn't pay no attention to that. You know, parents don't assume because you bring your kids to church every Sunday that they're learning anything. And then don't assume that they're not learning anything. Sometimes they keep up with how far you can go on the edge before God will run and repent quicker than you know sometimes. You got me? Just keep praying for them. Don't make any assumptions, but don't quit. Huh? So here we have Jacob, and he says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I never knew it. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. 
this is none but the house of God. Been living with a godly father all his life and just now encountering God. Well, better late than never. Sometimes they get out on their own. They find God faster than they do at home with mom and daddy where it's safe. Jacob rose up early in the morning, took the stone that he had put out for his pillow, set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. Now he knew how to build an altar to God. Where did he get that from? Daddy. See, the things that they don't pay attention to, they don't pay attention to the presence of God, but they know how to contact all y'all kids know how to pray. Trust me. Huh? They know how to contact God. How often they do it, whether they do it regularly or so forth and so on, will depend a lot on your prayers. You pray and you put them in a place where they need to, to contact God. And so he called the name of that place Bethel. And Jacob vowed a vow. And said this. <laughs> if God is with me. Well, how are you going to know God is with me, with you, Jacob, by the stuff he gives me? Put your eyes on your Bible, please. He says, Jacob vowed, he vowed. Now, he's making a promise to God. If God is with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. If God will give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. If God will give me stuff, God will give me bread to eat, God will protect me, God will help me, but give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And you know, that's where the average Christian lives. They think if they've got a job, they're cool. They're blessed. They don't need to go any further. They think if they got a new car or whatever it is, it's a give me, give me, give me relationship. And God God will let you do that for a while because when you're new in God, you're worried about stuff. So he'll let you have stuff. But there will come a time when stuff is not your meat any longer. Stuff is not what you like no more. Stuff is not satisfied. What's a, your, your prayer should be God let them get dissatisfied with their stuff tomorrow so they can cry out to you. Huh? He's not going to let your kids starve. You know, the average parent... You know, sometimes you'll start getting, your mind will get messed up. You'll think as long as your kid has a good job, you kind of cut back on the godly part. Push in there when you see that happening. You don't want them to get comfortable in the natural. And so he says, if you'll do that, give me bread to eat and clothes to put on. I want to look good and I want to eat good. So I'll come again to my father's house in peace. In other words, I want my stuff. Jacob is still all about stuff. He wants to get back to where his promise is. That's his father's house. I want my inheritance. I want all my stuff. And I don't want my brother to kill me before I get it. When he says in peace, that means intact, nothing missing, nothing broken. He said, if you give me all that, God, then I'll pay you. You got to give me first and then I'll give you a tenth. (laughs) And no more. Just the tenth. No offering on the side. No blessing. No, I'm a good husband or a good anything. I'll just pay you off. But you got to take care. And it'll shock you how many people that tithe think about it like that. 
is paying God off. You'll see them get superstitious about, I can't touch that. There are sinners that do that. They're tithing sinners. Because they've been told by Christians, that money don't belong to you, that belongs to God. I don't touch it. I don't touch it. Well, if you're touching your boyfriend, well, you shouldn't be touching him. Thy money perish with thee. You're on your way to hell. You can't buy God off for 10%. He wants so much more than that from us. So here we go. Jacob's got a covenant that he likes. You see, he didn't ask God, God, do you want, what do you want me to do, God? He said, nope, God, I'm calling the shots. I do the deal. Huh? So Jacob does his deal. This is what he does. He deals. And so he goes to live at Laban's house. Good things happen for him there to a degree. And so he says, uh, uh, he receives a blessing. He makes it there. He makes a covenant with God. Amen. So Jacob, being a dealer, thinks that's all it takes to be successful. He can steal from everybody else, stole from his brother, tricked his dad. Now he's going to give God a tenth. He's calling the shots. What happens, though, when he gets to Uncle Laban, I like to call Uncle Laban the slick Uncle Laban. Huh? Because this is what, what his his life has bought him. See, as you sow, you reap. So he's been tricking people all his life. So then he runs into somebody who can out-trick him. Amen. And so when when he gets to the well, which is where all the nice girls hang out, you got me? Why? Because they work in the heat of the day. They obey their parents. So so um, Rachel's come there to water the animals. Huh? And so in watering the animals, she's able then to um, uh, understand that this is a cousin of theirs, and so she's there and meets him first. She has an older sister, Leah, who is at home. Not such a good girl. If she is a good girl, she'd be there working. So, in my estimation, she's a more, little more like Jacob at this point, amen, than Rachel is. And so when when Jacob goes to talk to Laban, his uncle Laban, about marrying Rachel, he asks for her. And Uncle Laban says, well, okay. I mean, you know, you can work for me, but I won't have you working for nothing. Ha, ha, ha. You work for me seven years, and then you can have my daughter, Rachel. Amen. And so in verse 15, chapter 29, Laban said to Jacob, because you are my brother, you should serve me. Should you serve me for nothing? Tell me, what do you want? Laban had two daughters. The name of the one, the elder was Leah. Name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was not the first, but the oldest. Rachel was beautiful and well favored. Amen. Jacob loved Rachel and said, I'll serve you seven years for your younger daughter. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man, so stay with me. Jacob served seven years for Rachel, 
and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. And Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for the days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men in the palace, made a big feast. We go have a wedding and a reception. And then, but he sent Leah, the older daughter, in. But Jacob did not know it until morning. Now, people say stuff like, how'd that happen? It happened, okay? Read the Bible. Your Bible's true. Huh? But you get enough wine in you, you won't know much either. You understand what I'm saying? So then Jacob goes to Laban and complains. And Laban said, oh, yeah, oh, I forgot to tell you. We got a custom here. He said, I thought you knew this. Now, we got a custom here. We can't give the the younger one before the older one. Huh? She'll run out of eggs or something, you know, his biological clock stuff. But that's just our rules in this country, and we respect our rules. So, and then, that's what you said, verse 26. This is the way we do it here. We give the, the youngest, not to give the younger, but before the, the firstborn. So she's got, here we go, the firstborn blessing again, staring him in the face. See, this is your problem, Jacob. You don't respect divine order. You don't respect inheritance. So here it is. He, he should be, feel convicted about this. And it'll keep coming up to him until he repents. You got me? It says, fulfill her week. In other words, go on the honeymoon. And, and we'll give you this for service, which you shall serve me yet another seven years for the other one. So here we go. Jacob, 14 years serving just to get the wife he wants. Jacob, it's easier just to go to God for what you want than to try to slick everybody out of everything. So your slick is catching up with you because now you're stuck. He can't go back home yet. He's got no place else to go. He's got to deal with Uncle Laban who represents his old man. The strongholds that are in him. He looks out. See, it's it's easy to think you're right when it's just in your head. But when you look out and see it on somebody else, you get a better, clear picture of what you look like for real. Amen. That's why a lot of people are angry about certain traits in people. Why? Because they have them. They're strongholds and you're looking at yourself. And that's how God helps us. He lets you get a good picture of who you really are, and you can say, you know what, God, I really don't like that about me. Let me quit making excuses for my faults. Help me with that. Take that away from me. Help me to get over myself. Amen? And so that's that's the beauty of how God works with people. So he says, he says okay. So then Jacob starts his family. Excuse me. It was customary if a woman could not uh, uh, have sex with her husband or something like that, they would use maids as surrogates. They just did that kind of stuff. wasn't right, but they did it. And so and these these women began to have children, but for some reason, Rachel was barren. God had shut up her womb. And so, and I believe it was because there was a work he was doing in Jacob that was not fulfilled yet. Because at the time he really can, can please his wife Rachel and, and they can celebrate being married and so forth and so forth. He's ready to split. 
And so as, as Rachel is barren because she's connected to him by divine intervention, and there's a purpose for these children of Rachel's. Amen. And so <clears throat> as she said, she saw uh, she had bore him no children in chapter 30. And so Rachel then, God opens her womb and she does begin to have children. And so then Jacob decides that he's it's getting to be time for him to go and receive the promise that God has promised him. So he begins to talk to his uncle Laban about buying his freedom so that he can take his wife and take the things that belong to him and move on. He receives a dream from God because what has God done? He has promised him that he's going to take care of him. So God now is moving him to be frustrated and tired of the place where he is. And he knows he's there temporarily. He's just waiting for God to move on him so he can go. And so he's beginning to learn how to depend on God. He's beginning to learn how to wait for God's timing. He's learning patience. He's learning all the things that we all have to learn in order to secure the blessing that God has blessed us with. See, it doesn't come because your confession is right for three days and then you're mad at God and the saints the rest of the time. You won't get blessed like that. That's not a conversion. When you're converted, you're totally flipped over to think totally differently than you thought in your carnal mind. And so God wants that from Jacob. Why? He's called him to great things. He can't have no screwed up people running his kingdom. Or we'll have a bunch of screwed up people under them. And so God has to straighten our thinking out. He has to get us to, to keep our hearts pure before him. If there's something you have against somebody, you have to be willing to quickly forgive. And if you keep thinking about it, you got to go to God with your thought life. When you see somebody, every time their name is mentioned, you something goes off on the end. You got to get that right. Y'all can't be, we can't be going around here ticking time bombs. And we just smile at everybody and pretend. He don't want no pretenders. He wants real people in his kingdom. Amen. You got to be real through and through. And you got to put you off of the throne of your life. And that's Jacob's main problem. He cheats so much and used to outthinking everybody and taking care of everything. So then Jacob has a dream from God. Let me see if I can find that. I think it's in in chapter 30. We'll go to 3025. I think it'll start there. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I can go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go. For you know my service which I have done to you. And Laban said to him, I pray you, if I have found favor in your eyes, stay here. For I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me because of you. And he said, appoint me my wages and I will give. In other words, tell me what I owe you and I'll give it to you. He said to him, you know that I've served you and how your cattle was with me. 
for it was little when you when i came here and now it's increased in the multitude and the lord's blessed you since i came here and he said in verse 31 he said what shall i give you and jacob said if you you will not give me anything but do this for me i will again keep your flock and i will pass through all the your flock today removing from you all the specked and speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle from among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats and that will be my hire so shall my righteousness answer for me in the years to come so he says this is something i got from god i want you to know that i'm not the man i was when i first came here i've been serving god by being patient with you and i've got this from god now in one of the prior i don't know where it is but in one of the prior ones it said that an angel had visited him with a dream and showed this to him prior to him implementing it so god is giving jacob his way out of laban's control but it's a test for jacob to see if he will be honest about it and will follow through and just take only what belongs to him and so god devises a way for him to to separate out what belongs to him before they even multiply and increase so when it's time when the time comes everybody will know that those cattle belong to jacob and they do not belong to laban and so he begins to uh, breed these cattle and and he increased exceedingly it says in in verse 43 and had much cattle maid servants men servants camels so god blessed him god has kept his promise to jacob jacob asked him even when jacob made the deal god told him i'll do it amen and i will be with you god takes us sometimes on our conditions so we don't get angry and disconnect from him because we think he's being mean to us for some reason because people will quickly get that idea about god if they don't get everything preacher so-and-so on tv told them they were going to get they ready to quit everything you understand me and so god will meet us halfway just to appease us and show us that he's hearing us and he honors that in in chapter 31 and he heard the words of laban's son saying jacob has taken away what belongs to our father well they don't know what belongs to anybody jacob behold beheld their countenance of laban it was not good toward him as before and the lord said to jacob go to your land now it's time go to your father and your kindred and i'll be with you and jacob said and called rachel and leah and all that kind of stuff he didn't know that rachel had stolen something that belonged to her father her father's gods amen a stumbling block for them amen so so then uh, jacob knows then he's the last thing he's got to overcome and he has got to overcome his his brother who is looking for him to kill him because he's stolen from him so in order for jacob to keep his life he's got to know something from god he's got to have a different dimension of covenant with god because it's no longer about possessions god's proven to him over and over and over again that he will prosper him his tricking uncle laban has told him i know that i'm blessed because you're here so he confirms to him over and over again that god is blessing him so then jacob no longer has to worry about possession 
He no longer has to worry about family safety, but he's got one more thing to overcome, and that is this this brother who rightfully wants to kill him because he's stolen everything from him. So in order for Jacob to keep his life and the life of his family members, he's going to have to find something to do to overcome. And so Jacob is on his way back home. He hears that his brother Esau is on his way to to meet him. And so uh, verse 30, chapter 32, verse 1, Jacob went his way and the angel of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanahim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, a country in Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak to my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob said, uh, said thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen and asses, men servants, etc., etc. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you with 400 men with him. Okay? Not good news. And Joseph was, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided up the people. He's getting ready for war. He's dividing up the people who are with him. He's sending his wife and his children over where they're safe. Amen. And Jacob, verse 9, said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, and I will deal well with you. Oh, yeah, you're calling on God now, Jacob, right? It's never, never make fun of people who return to the Lord. Amen. Because it might be you one day. Amen. Amen. And so we have to understand when when God accepts it, we accept it. That's what we pray for, for prodigals to return. And he says, God of my father Isaac, the Lord who did say to me, return to your country and to your kindred, and I will deal well with you. So Jacob knows how to keep God to a covenant promise. He's saying, I'm calling on you, God, the one who promised all this stuff to me and my ancestors. You're the one I'm calling on because you told me one day I'd be able to go back and get everything. That's all we have to do when we pray is remind God of what he's already promised us. You don't have to go begging God for something that belongs to somebody else or to prosper me like you did. You did it for so-and-so. Yeah, come on now. He's promised it to you. He wants to know what you know about what he told you, not what he told somebody else. And he says here, in verse 10, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have showed unto your servant. For with my staff, I passed over this Jordan and now I become two bands. Deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I'm scared of him because he'll come and kill me. And the mother, uh, and the mother with the children. And that was covenant, covenant, uh, business. You killed every, you killed off the whole bloodline. So it's not just Jacob now. See, when it was just him, he was a, you know, he was a, I'm slick in it. I'm slick and all the women love me. You know what I'm saying? I'm hip and I'm slick and ah, yeah, he ain't that no more. He's a father now. He's a husband. He got plenty of wives and plenty of kids. And so he says, deliver me from him. He said, and you said, I will surely do you good. 
and make your seed as the sand of the sea that cannot be numbered for multitude. So he knows the word now. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. So he's got a bribe. He's got a happy face. He's, you know, sending him smiley notes and all that kind of stuff and putting him up on Facebook, you know, BFF since 19, whatever, whatever. And so, and he sends him presents, all of these, all of these things. And he says, and he delivered them into the hand of his servants, verse 16, every drove, every drove by themselves and said to his servants, pass over before me and put a space between between us you understand you go ahead first so we'll test the brother out to see what kind of mood he's in based on me giving him these gifts and he commanded the foremost saying when he saw my brother meets you and says saying who are who's are you and where are you going and so forth and so on then you shall say they be your servant jacob's in other words jacob now has humbled himself to his brother See, the prophecy, the blessing from the father was that Esau would serve Jacob. Now Jacob is saying, I'm your servant. See, it's good to humble yourself. You know, we know who we are in Christ. But somehow, sometimes we need to humble ourselves to humanity. So instead of taking authority and bossing people around all the time, sometimes try to lower yourself a little bit and understand where they're coming from. Try to appease people. And so commanded him the second and the third and all that followed him. On this manner shall you speak to Esau when you find him. And say moreover, behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before him. Hopefully he will accept accept me. So anyway, Jacob goes to sleep that night. It said he rose up that night, took his two wives, two women servants, his eleven sons, and passed over the four Jabbok. And took them and sent them over the brook and over what he had. Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled the man with him until the breaking of the day. See, this is for people who call themselves powerful intercessors, but they're scared to stay up all night and pray with God. Jacob could do it. He wasn't even spirit-filled. He didn't pray in tongues. And he stayed and wrestled all night until he got peace with God. That's what he's wrestling for, peace. You know people who are sick, and you know God wants them well. Sometimes you got to wrestle with your unbelief and wrestle within yourself until that thing gets free so that you can go ahead and, and release that. God can release that into the earth. And that's all Jacob is doing. God is showing him how to be an intercessor over his household. Because if you can't get that, you can't hold on to a blessing. If you don't get that, you won't have a blessing to even speak of. The devil will steal everything from you because you can't pay attention. Huh? You know what? The TV, you know how we work to get a TV in every room? All we do, and some of us, is moving the enemy right inside the house with us because we can't live unless it's on. You can't take your eyes off of it long enough to worship God and praise God and let him have your full attention. When the word of God says says clearly, give this word your full attention. And he says, and he prevailed, did not prevail against him when the, when the 
And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, in other words, this Jacob was stronger than this angel was. And he said he touched him in the hollow of his thigh. In other words, he had to break his hip, put his hip out of joint in order to get him to submit to him. Amen. That's how strong Jacob was in his little witchcraft voodoo, uh his man arts, all that kind of stuff. He had a strong will that had to be broken so that he could do the will of God. And so here Jacob is, he wrestles all night, and there was a tradition in Jewish families and to some of the Orthodox ones now. They do not eat that hip bone of, of an animal out of respect for Jacob. Amen. And so he says, let me go before daybreak. And he says, I will not let you go except you bless me. In other words, you are wrestling against your own strength when you intercede. You're wrestling against the strongholds in your own mind when you intercede. You're wrestling against not so much against the flesh and blood that's trying to overtake you. It wasn't he was wrestling about his brother. But he was wrestling within himself not to fight against his brother in order to get dominance because his father had prophesied over him, you will lord it over your brother. What he was wrestling with was to stay underneath where God could help him and then elevate him. Amen. Because he realized in his heart that his brother was due that blessing. He really was. And so he wasn't trying to hold on to his dominance in the situation but he was going to let that go so that his brother could live and they could live in peace he said god if you bring me back in peace i will serve you and so jacob here is fighting for his very life because he does not want to have a civil war with his brother for the rest of his life and they wind up killing up each other and everybody else in their family he decides he'd go for the higher value and that's the one for family peace. And so Jacob, in order to live, had to have relationship with God where he would lay down everything and trust God to give it back to him at the appointed time. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to come before you, understanding that our delay in receiving what we desire has nothing to do with anything other than getting closer to you. Father, we thank you that we will serve you and we will submit to you in all things so that we will prosper in all things. Father, I thank you that we give us a restlessness for the next thing in our lives, Father. Give us a hunger for the next thing that you have for us. Don't let us get complacent. Don't let us stay on the in the bed of languishing. Don't let us stay in the bed of disappointment and halfway blessings. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You know, the Lord is saying that some of you know there's more for you. But you're forcing yourself to be, you're trying to force yourself to be satisfied where you are. Huh? You know why? Because you think you can't do what it's what's necessary. And he says, you don't have to do anything. All you got to do is let go. He says, if you let go, and I mean let go forever, not let go for a certain period of time. And he said, that's what, what keeps hindering you. You let go for a season and you grab it back. 
You let go for a little bit and you grab it back. He says, if you will let it go, let go. He said, and show me that you trust me. What I bring to you will be that and more, says the Lord. I'll bring to you that which you desire and more. But you've got to show me you trust me. He said, some of you are scared because you don't have a relationship with me. You need it. You need it. Some of you are reading steps and formulas and you think that's me. So that's not me. Some of you have got some things and you think you got the whole thing. You just got a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you put on some music and we'll pray. And if you want prayer, I won't say come up if that's you. You know what's you and you know what you need prayer for, but uh, some of us need to move off of where we're at. We're trying to pretend like we're satisfied with life and we're not. But you need to let go. It's, it's really a matter of do you trust God? Get rid of your steps and formulas. Those steps you might want to And just get into God. He wants you into Him. Amen. Into Him. Into Him. Into Him.
agree. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. Thank you, Jesus. By your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It is so true.